Girlfriends, episode number 299, Advent Traditions with Gracie Jagla. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance and joy in family living. This week, I have a special guest, author Gracie Jagla is here to talk about children's books and celebrating the season of Advent. Let's get started. Hey there, girlfriend. So glad you are here. Thanks for joining me here on the podcast. If you are a first-time listener to Girlfriends, I want to give you a special welcome. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for checking us out. I hope you're going to like what we share here and want to stick around. If you're a sometimes or all-the-time listener of Girlfriends, I want to welcome you back. You know I love you. You know I love being able to connect here on the podcast. So thanks for showing up for this newest episode. So my guest today is a children's book author, Gracie Jagla, and we're going to be talking about her newest book, which is Advent themed. Can you believe we are here already? Are you ready for this? Um, I do want to give a shout out for the Catholic Mom Advent playlist that I put together on Spotify last I guess it was last year, it was last Advent that I put this together. And I had a lot of different people recommending songs to me. And I loved the outcome. I loved what we put together because it's a list of not Christmas songs, Advent songs. So um, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to that playlist if you want to check it out. I'm not going to say I don't listen to Christmas songs until it's Christmas because that is just not true. But I do love having this playlist that is exclusively Advent themed songs in the waiting and the watching and the the prayerfully waiting for the Savior, that those kinds of themes. And it's just a, it's so many different artists and different genres are included in this, this playlist. I loved having it kind of in the background for my Advent last year whenever I was driving in the car, working in the kitchen. And I think you might enjoy it too. So as we're launching into Advent here, I want to share that resource with you. This comes from catholicmom.com. I will have the link in the show notes so you can check it out absolutely free. It's on Spotify though. If you are an iTunes, Apple Music kind of person, you're going to have to put together your own playlist. I, I hear from people all the time whenever I make a Spotify playlist, like, what about the Apple one? But I don't do that. I use Spotify. So if anyone wants to share an Apple playlist, I'll be happy to help spread the word about that as well, because I know that's a resource people are frequently looking for as well. And as we are launching into Advent and people are beginning to think about things like Christmas shopping, I just want to give one little suggestion here at Girlfriends that you consider purchasing one of my books for somebody close to you, whether it's a good girlfriend, whether it's your own mom or your sister or your friend at work. Um, Especially my book, Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday, has applications to people from all walks of life. This isn't just a mommy book. This isn't even just a, a book for women. This is a book that I, in which I really share about the different ways that we can find God, very practically speaking, in connect with God in our everyday lives and the ways that God is always present, always waiting for us, always inviting us deeper in, looking to connect with us through our everyday experiences of joy, or our experiences of connection with other people, or trials that we might go through, or things that we might suffer, or challenges or sacrifice that we might be invited to make. So um, I share in very real ways my own stories, but in the hopes that it's going to encourage you to find God, connect with God, 
in your stories, in your everyday life as well. So that newest book is Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday, and it's available from Ascension. Of course, it's at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, etc. But this podcast is from ascensionpress.com. So you know, I'm going to tell you, go over to ascensionpress.com, support these Catholic publishers by purchasing the book over at ascensionpress.com. Whisper is always linked in the show notes, as are um, some of my other books as well. You Are Enough is probably my most popular book, which is a little bit surprising. It's You Are Enough, What Women of the Bible Teach You About Your Mission and Worth. And in this book, I look at stories of women in the Old Testament and the ways in which their the themes of their stories and their relationship with God, their, their challenges and their triumphs relate to our stories today, that these are kind of universal experiences as women. God loves us in a unique way because we are women. And we can learn that by looking at some of these stories in the Old Testament with new eyes. And I've been encouraged by how how many people enjoy that book, how many people have enjoyed connecting with other women over that book in women's groups and retreats. Even I, I've done multiple retreats based on the themes in that book as well. So if you're interested in that, that also is available over at ascensionpress.com. But always in the show notes and at my own website, daniellebean.com, you can get a link to all of the different books that I have available. Just had to do that little Christmas shopping shout out for you at the start of today's show. All right, now I want to share with you my recent conversation with children's book author, Gracie Jagla. She is a joy and I know she's going to put you in exactly the right imaginative mindset going into this season of Advent. Here we go. Gracie Jagla is joining me here on Girlfriends today. Gracie Jagla is a Catholic wife, a mom of two, and a children's book author. Her first children's book was God the Father and the Best Day Ever. I loved chatting with her about that one. But now she's got a new one out that's just in time for this Advent season called The Night the Saints Saved Christmas, newly available from our Sunday Visitor Kids, OSV Kids, a great imprint over there. Welcome, Gracie Jagla to Girlfriends. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me. It's so exciting to listen to a podcast and be a fan of a podcast and then to get to join you on it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So you're one of the regular girlfriends. So you're right at home here. So I loved it when I got to talk with you about your first, your first children's book and you were just getting started in children's book business, but tell me what, what was the inspiration for this newest book, The Night the Saints Saved Christmas? So it's a Christmas book, but funny enough, it didn't start off that way. I was trying to write a book about the saints. And of course, there are so many beautiful books on the saints. Mm -hmm. But what I was going for with this one, I really wanted to write about the saints in a way that portrayed them as relatable and showed not just the miraculous parts of them, but the really human parts of them. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that I was thinking of that children would really relate to were things like John Paul II. He loved skiing, snow skiing, and a lot of children can associate with that. Or Pierre Giorgio, who was this great mountain climber, and Joan of Arc was a horseback rider. They're these great athletes. And so I was trying to write a book that would put all of that together. And all of a sudden I woke up and it was the middle of the night. And sometimes you have great thoughts in the middle of the night. Sometimes you have (laughs) thoughts in the middle of the night. But I had this thought, what if all of the saints were helping St. Nick on his mission of delivering gifts for Christmas? Okay. It just kind of came about like that. And I'm really happy with, I'm really happy with the way it turned out. (laughs) I love the Christmas season and I love the saints. And I don't think that there's ever really been a book that puts it all together, all of those topics together in the same way. So, Right. 
Right. I love it. And I love the kind of the tapestry of the illustrations too, that just are all these different saints bringing their different talents to kind of come on board with this, this team to help out St. Nick in his moment of need. I also love that it starts out with St. Nick needing this help in the first place. Kind of reminds me of that Christmas special. I forget which one it was where it's like the Christmas that almost wasn't kind of thing. Oh yeah. I think I've seen, I think I've seen that before. There was one where St. Nick kind of is feeling under the weather, right? (laughs) Which is obviously not true. And it's a fictional, it's, it's a partially fictional story because of course St. Nick didn't get sick and he didn't need help delivering gifts, but there's also a lot of true elements too, in the, in the sense that it's kind of biographical about Mm -hmm. the saint. So a little combination. Right. So this is your second book for kids. Is is this something you envisioned yourself doing your whole life? Kind of like, I want to be a children's book author or how did you come in, come into this in the first place? That's a great question. I had not planned on being a children's book author. I was in college at Franciscan University of Steubenville. Mm -hmm. I was an English major. And I think I thought like most English majors that I'd be an English teacher. And I remember uh, doing my thesis at my senior year. And I was told that I could write a long kind of many page dissertation or I could do something creative. And I thought, I asked, well, can I write a children's book? Mm -hmm. And she said that would be acceptable. And it sure sounded a lot better than doing a big kind of long essay. So I said, and my mom at the time, well, my my mom was at the time a (laughs) second grade teacher. She's always been your mom. At the time, she was teaching second grade. Mm -hmm. she told me children have such a desire to learn about the faith and they have such a capacity to learn about it more than a lot of adults even realize, but it's so hard to find good resources that engage them and captivate them. Mm-hmm. So based on that, I decided that when I wrote children's books for this thesis, I wanted them to be religious or Catholic in nature. Mm-hmm. And I would write, and then I would take what I had written to her classroom and I'd sit in front of her kids and just try it out and see what worked and what didn't. Mm-hmm. And was kind of how I got started. I loved it. And I came back. I love that. And and has your approach to your work changed at all since becoming a mom? Because you were working on that, or maybe the book launched that first one while you were still pregnant, right? Yes. It's interesting. So the first book came out within two or three weeks of having my first daughter. And the second book came out within two or three weeks of my second daughter. So my book <laughs> to go together, which is a blessing. And my approach, it has changed. I mean, a lot of things change when you're a mom, your perspective mm-hmm. and your your thoughts on life. And just, I read a lot to my daughter. That's one Mm -hmm. of the first things that I started doing with her activity wise is we're going to be the house that reads all the time. We love books. And I think the more you read, the more you write, I think good readers and good writers go hand in hand. Sure. So That's helpful to me. The other thing is just, I think the middle of the night feedings and the long hours on walks, calming the babies down. I think naturally that kind of works with your creativity because your mind is going. Mm -hmm. So, I wrote a lot when my first one was little and I had a lot of free time in the middle of the night. I'd be writing as I was feeding her on the side of, on the bedside. And then, <laughs> then I kind of stopped writing for a while because you have an active, busy toddler. Mm-hmm. And I delivered my second baby just about four weeks ago. So I'm kind of back in that time of life and hopefully right. write more. I love that. And, and, you know, I love your books because they're, they're very soothing. Like I, we too have always really loved books in this house and, and spent so much time, so much precious time just reading to our kids starting when they were very little. And I was always just kind of a little bit of a snob about the books I would actually read to my kids. I'm sure you're like this too, being an author yourself, but like 
it couldn't have bad rhyming in it. That would annoy the heck out of me or, you know, bad illustrations or cheesy things or whatever. And so I love that your, your books are just a, a real beautiful thing to sit down and, and share with your kids from the prose to the, the beautiful illustrations. So this book is illustrated by Michael Corsini. What was your relationship like working with the illustrator? Was it back and forth or did he just get the manuscript and turn out images? How did that go? Sure. So it was very much blind trust because we actually had no back and forth relationship. So the way that it worked, at least with my publisher at the time, was I turned in the manuscript and we both agreed on it and we were both happy with the words. Mm -hmm. And then it was a complete turnover to their, they picked the illustrator and he did his own thing. And I just saw them when they came out as a final product, which is, it's an interesting relationship to have because as the author, I have kind of a vision in my head of what I see, but I also have no artistic talent. So it's not like <laughs> I never bring that to life. So I really shouldn't have a say, I suppose, but you do see right. it in your head. Oh, and sure. Then, uh, trusting the relationship, which was why I was so excited that they chose Michael Corsini, because if anyone else has ever seen his work, he did sitting, sitting like a saint or sitting with a saint was a great mm-hmm. book that he illustrated. He is absolutely what I envisioned. And he did the most phenomenal job. I think they turned out so cute. One time someone told me I was talking at the beginning of my writing process about how it was hard for me to turn everything over to an illustrator without Mm -hmm. having a say. And someone said, well, it's kind of like when you're, when you're making a movie, someone writes the manuscript for a movie, but then they don't direct it and they don't act and produce it. And they said that way, every additional layer or person who jumps on the project adds meaning to it that it wouldn't have had if it was all being controlled by one person. And I see that absolutely for sure. I would love to just tell someone exactly what to do, but it wouldn't be as beautiful that way because people come up with ideas that I could never have conceived on my own. So, right. I think you're so right. There's a real richness to that process. I know from years in magazine editing, that was it. Like I would you know, finalize the editorial side, and then we'd be turning it over to our designer and seeing what what came to his mind when he read that. And it's really a beautiful creative process and a back and forth. And and it plays out beautifully in the pages of this book, which by the way, folks, this is the time of year where you want to buy this book for your kids, for your godchildren, for your grandkids, for your nieces and nephews, for your neighbors down the street. Like, Giving a book just feels so good, especially this time of year, and one that will educate about the story of St. Nicholas in a in a whimsical way, but also teach kids about the lives of the saints, not in a preachy way, but just in a in a fun, informative way that's going to inspire their imaginations. I can't think of a better gift for this and for for that purpose with regard to buying things for your godchildren or whatnot. This sometimes the challenge is to find things that are going to edify our kids in their faith without kind of hitting them over the head with it, don't you think? Thank you. Thank you for saying that. And I really went into the book. I wanted a few specific things from it. So I knew when I first started it, that it was pretty whimsical and fictional. So mm-hmm. Nick and the saints teaming up and obviously the saints aren't actually doing things with gifts on Christmas. So, <laughs> I really, but I wanted it, like you said, to be a book that parents could welcome into their homes and know that it supported the truths of the Catholic faith, that it's rooted in the true meaning of Christmas. So one of the things that I did was had the saints on this kind of fun journey on earth, delivering gifts. But at the end of the book, all of the saints come back to the manger and adore baby Jesus together with the right. angels all of heaven. And that was really important to have so that parents could trust that even though it's this kind of fun, silly St. Nick story, Mm -hmm. that it brings everything back to the heart of Christmas. The other 
thing that I did very purposefully going into the book was really worked on showing kids the intercessions of the saints and the mm-hmm. way that they work not only with us here on earth, but the ways that they work together with each other. Because I think a lot of times when we talk to our kids about the saints, it seems almost like it's just one saint working with us on earth. Like St. Anthony helped me find something lost, mm-hmm. but the saints are a family, not only with us here on earth, but they're a family together in heaven. And I think they work together in heaven. And it's nice to think of the saints as friends with each other and having yes. that That's why I loved certain things like Michael Corsini has this beautiful illustrated page where he has St. Peter with a map spread out and he's surrounded by all the saints around him and they're all planning together. Okay. Who's going to go where on earth. And I love the way that that illustration shows the communion of the saints and the ways they love each other and are close to each other. So I love that. I love that. And, you know, I have to mention something that always comes to mind when I'm looking through a children's book, especially one that's beautifully illustrated like this, that, you know, if you have a favorite children's book, a great thing to do is to frame some of the artwork from it in your kids' rooms. And this is something that I I found is really inspiring to me, but also just kind of builds a family culture of like, these are the books we love. These are the illustrations we love. And, you know, when you're, when you're planning your kid's nursery or when they're getting a little older and you're decorating their bedrooms, I think this is such a wonderful thing to consider doing because it really is, you know, making the book come alive and be more a part of your everyday life. That's beautiful. I had never heard that idea before until I guess my first book, God, the father and the best day ever. And Mm -hmm. I had to reach out to me. It's probably one of the best compliments that I ever received about the book. And they said they were reading it with their child and their child pointed to God and said, mommy, is that what God is like? And she said, yes, exactly what God is like. And he said, I like that God or that version of like picturing God that way. And she could frame frame it in their home. And it, I don't know why it had never crossed my mind. Beautiful. Illustrations of books are meant to be in the books, but they don't have to be. You can right. I know. Home. I think that's a great idea. Well, you should talk to OSV and see if they want to maybe sell some prints or something. Cause I, I think there's a real market for that. And, and, and I don't see it properly tapped into. So and people can always buy the books and cut them up themselves, but getting like a real print of it would be really fantastic. So anyway, just putting that thought out there. <laughs> what, what books have you really loved and done something like oh that. gosh we've had so many but so I mean of Tommy DePaula really I guess I have oh. to say is an all-time favorite and those books we spent so much time just pouring through them together and just laughing I mean that was the thing that I loved about those books was a lot of them had this like you know of course he had this Catholic background and he brought that to his books and to so many different topics from you know Our Lady of Guadalupe uh, to other lives of the saints and just in that I think it was what I loved about his books was they approached some of these topics, but not in a way like now is your catechism class. You know, it was ways that really moved your heart or made you laugh out loud. And his illustrations just, you know, perfectly complemented the stories. And I would say those really were a great fit with our, our family culture, but each family is going to find ones that they love and that they enjoy, but finding ones that are seasonal like that can be a really fun thing to do because I know some people will have like a, a, a store of books and kind of rotate them. Like these are the ones we bring out in Advent and what a fantastic addition this one would be to anybody's Advent book collection for sure. Thank you. I love the rotation of books because it's kind of a great way of liturgical living. You can bring yes. out your books or your Advent books. And I was hearing just this morning about people who have this tradition, I guess, of wrapping 12 Christmas books for the 12 days of Christmas, and then they open them every day. Oh, I love that. 
I was thinking, I was thinking I wanted to do it. And I was wondering, I wonder if they get 12 new Christmas books every year or if they're 12. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I suppose you could do it either way. There are plenty of Christmas books out there, but maybe not plenty that you love. <laughs> I know, I think 12 a year. That's a lot. Boy, you'd have the biggest Christmas stock. I know. Years. Well, for years, one thing that we did was we would go to midnight mass and we would let the kids open one present when we got back and the rest of the presents were for the morning. And I never wanted it to be something so incredibly exciting. They wouldn't go to sleep. So yeah. a, a book <laughs> seemed like a good fit. So for years, they all got a book. And a lot of those were Tommy DePaula books for sure um, on after midnight mass or sometimes a stuffed animal, something that's a little bit kind of cute and fun that they can just bring to bed with them then. But I love these traditions. So now that you're a mom and you've got these two little girls, what are your plans and what have you already implemented for your family's Advent and Christmas traditions? You know, it's, that's a good thought. It's kind of developing. It's a work in progress. So last year, my Mm -hmm. daughter probably only six months old. There's only so much, (laughs) but I, I was kind of inspired by a mom the other day who is really wonderful at liturgical living. And she's always doing these projects with her kids. And I asked her, how early do you start doing? How early do you start implementing traditions in the family? Because I feel like my kids are too little to understand any of it. And she encouraged me to start kind of from the very beginning so that the mom gets rooted in the consistency of it and can hammer out the kinks. And so just that it's important for these traditions to be in the family, even before the children really have them. So I think it's been a good thing just doing things. My husband and I, so last year we lit, we had family dinners every night at the table. I think it's always good to have family dinners, but we made Mm -hmm. a special attempt in the Advent season to kind of bring peace into our home and just the process of lighting the Advent candle and doing the Advent reading. We had a book that our church gave to all of the parishioners. And I remember that being, it's a simple thing, but just lighting the Advent candles and then blowing them out at the end of family dinner together and getting to walk. You slowly add now we're on the pink candle and we're even close. It's such a visual representation for children. So yeah, simple thing, but it's something that we've started already. I love that. And and I've always loved the Advent wreath for that reason. As much as it's caused me stress in some years, we're like, oh, I didn't order the candles or, oh, I can't find the wreath or whatever. But I found that it is exactly that something so basic and simple that you can do this, you know, and that there are so many different traditions and some of them are great. And, but you're not always going to have the time or the energy to follow through in all of them. And they might become more of a stressor than anything else, but just kind of marking the season in that way is just a beautifully simple thing that you can do that, absolutely counts as liturgical living. So rather than aiming for perfection in all of these different things, I think focusing on the basics is really just a beautiful way to emphasize the the reason for the season for sure. I agree, especially when you have little kids, the more manageable and small you can make something, the greater the odds are that it's actually going to happen. And that's what yes. you want. Yes. Rather than having a frazzled out mom and the kids are like, what the heck is going on? Like that? No, <laughs> you, you want a happy mom. So it, when you're approaching this, this I, something that came to mind as I was going through this, this particular book, The Night the Saints Saved Christmas, was the idea of St. Nick and St. Nicholas and Santa Claus, which is, you know, kind of a little bit confusing sometimes in our culture. And I know some parents are like, absolutely no Santa Claus. Others are like all St. Nick or others are like, you know, totally realist about it and tell their kids what's true from the start. But so maybe just share with us a little bit about what your philosophy is and how you're planning to talk to your kids about the, the story of St. Nicholas and how that relates to Christmas celebrations today. I'm so glad this has come up because this is a big question that I get with the book. A lot of people ask me, if we don't do Santa in our family, will this book be confusing to them? Mm -hmm. 
I think the simple answer is no, it won't be confusing. It doesn't ever reference Santa. It says St. Nick, who of course is a real historical figure and saint. Mm -hmm. And the book is not so much about Santa and gift giving as it is the relationship of the saints and kind of their communion together and the true meaning of Christmas. So Mm -hmm. if you're a parent who doesn't do Santa, I still think that the book can be edifying for your children. I hope it can. I wrote it to be that. Um, Yeah philosophy, I guess we were a Santa family and I'm, I'm okay. And proud to say that we love Santa. It just, Mm -hmm. um, was a source of joy for us, but I know there are so many families who all come from different philosophies and have different thoughts on that concept. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was writing, I told someone, I really don't want this book to come across as materialistic and like, it's all about the gifts or even the title, the night, the saint saved Christmas. I don't want anyone to think if there weren't gifts then Christmas would be ruined. Right. And right. they said the concept of Santa or St. Nick and gift giving is actually a great bridge or entryway into teaching children about the love of God and about graces. Mm-hmm. And they kind of described it to me this way. They said, Graces are a difficult thing for children to understand because they're invisible and it's just hard to describe things like that to children. But Mm -hmm. what are graces? They're these gifts that are given to us from someone who loves us and we don't necessarily deserve them and we haven't even always asked for them, but we receive graces from God just because he loves us and he's thinking about us all the time, even when we're not realizing it. Mm -hmm. In the same way, they were saying, using either St. Nick or Santa in your home can be an entry point for teaching children and saying, you're going to receive gifts that you might not deserve or have ever asked for, but you receive them just because there's someone who loves you and who's thinking about you and who cares. So I kind of love that way because it doesn't really matter if you choose to do Santa or St. Nick or some variant, or if you want to just give the gifts from yourselves as parents, Mm -hmm. I think it's more important for parents to understand that Gifts don't have to be a bad thing. And in fact, they can be a great way of teaching children the way that God loves us. So no, I completely agree. I I think that's a beautiful way of looking at it. And I've never really heard it described quite that way, but that's a really helpful way to talk to our kids about why we give gifts at Christmas. You know, I think for us, it's always been sort of a nice way to talk about, you know, the generous gift of Jesus Christ and how, you know, he's the ultimate gift. And these graces, of course, are part of that. And that we're kind of mimicking that in a way, we're mirroring that and um, being becoming an image of that beautiful ultimate gift of all time. And that's a very appropriate thing to do. That doesn't mean it's all about the materialism. Of course, every family is going to draw their line somewhere in there in, in a different way that makes sense for them. But I, I love that way of looking at it. And I love your openness to Santa and to St. Nick and to no Santa, no St. Nick. I think that's a really important way to handle that conversation for sure. Well, one thing that we used to do, it was one of my favorite Christmas traditions is before we went down to look at gifts on Christmas morning, my dad would have us sit on the bed and we would all sing happy birthday to Jesus. And that's another you know, little way of just bringing him into it. Mm-hmm. And what I love about thinking of things from this perspective, I love the way that I love unifying, I guess, the secular and the religious notions of Christmas, because I think a lot of times parents think it's all or nothing, or if you buy into the secular part of Christmas, then your kids will naturally just lose or forget the religious part of Christmas. Right. And I think that all parents have kind of the same goal, no matter where you fall on the St. Nick spectrum. I think all parents want to always have the true meaning of Christmas at the heart of things, but they also want Christmas to be fun and joyful for their yeah. children. 
it's and I just think it's fun that you can combine the two of them. And I think it's good for people in the secular world to see, yes, we celebrate Catholic Christmas and yes, we keep Jesus at the center of it, but look how we also have fun and look how we also preserve the joy of it. I think it's good to see that the two can work in union with one another. Oh, for sure. For sure. And and I was raised in a home where we didn't explicitly believe in Santa, but we loved pretending about him. And it was always, you know, kids are great at this. This is what we do. Like, you know, when we talk about storybook characters or whatever, that sure. they love to imagine about things. And and I just remember my, my little brother when I was growing up, when we were talking with him about Santa and whatever. And then one day he came to me and he was like, I know Santa's not real, but how does he get in the house? Like... <laughs> And I was like, that is the perfect blend right there. That is the perfect blend. Knowing like what's real and what's true and not feeling disillusioned in any way, maybe in the future when you find out something otherwise, but also like, let's talk about this. This is fun to talk and pretend about. And and we've raised our kids very much the same way where we enjoy the stories and we have all the storybooks and I'll talk with the kids about Santa coming in the house, but it's always just kind of in this, this kind of fun, joyful way that never feels like really a hardcore you're you're gonna believe this, right? Like <laughs> kind of thing. Great. I think that's so much fun. I love the I love Christmas because like you said, children are built to pretend and imagine and see whimsy and things like that. And it mm-hmm. the scene is perfect just for bringing that out of them. And that is something that I work to do with this book too. I kind of came up with this little motto that I want my books to be faithful to Catholic tradition, but with a sprinkle of imagination and grace in them. That I love just that combining the truths of our faith with some of the joy and magic that children are so good at. Absolutely. And you have accomplished that beautifully here in this book. So my guest today has been Gracie Jagla, who is author of The Night the Saints Saved Christmas. You're going to want to get a copy of this. We will have it linked up in the show notes for you. Are there other places where people can learn more online, Gracie, before we have to go? Let us know like where we can follow you. Are you on social media? Sure, I am. So my... Instagram handle is and a sprinkle of grace. That's kind of playing off what I said about bringing a sprinkle of grace. So if you're trying to remember it and a sprinkle of grace and the books are available on our Sunday visitors website and on Amazon as well. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much, Gracie, for the gift of your talents and your book and your perspective, especially on this season of Advent. And thanks for coming on Girlfriends to chat about it. I love it. I love the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. All right, we've got more of the show coming up, but first, a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to The Girlfriends Podcast. Wouldn't it be nice to have a Bible that actually explains how to navigate it and make sense of it? A Bible that includes a detailed plan for how to read it with a page layout that's designed for study and personal devotion? Now, for the first time ever, there is a Catholic Bible that does just that. A Bible that incorporates the same color-coded learning system that has proven so effective in the Great Adventure Studies. I have had the privilege of working with some of the most talented biblical scholars of our day, Mary Healy, Andrew Swafford, and Peter Williamson, to create the Great Adventure Catholic Bible. This Bible makes the complex simple as it guides you through the narrative woven throughout salvation history. The translation is the Revised Standard Version, 2nd Catholic Edition, an elegant, accurate, and modern Catholic translation. The Great Adventure Catholic Bible is perfect for your personal devotion and Bible study, or as a gift for friends and family. If you want to understand sacred scripture and be transformed by the Word of God, then this is the Bible for you. Pick up your copy 
at ascensionpress.com. Welcome back. This is the point of the show where I sometimes share some listener feedback. On a recent episode, I shared a listener's feedback who was looking for podcasts for men. And I heard from a couple of people with a few different suggestions. First, Jill sent me a note saying the Catholic Man Show is a great podcast for men. And she says it's right here in little old Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay, so there's a proud Oklahoman giving a shout out to the Catholic Man Show, which I cannot speak to. I have not listened to that, but I have heard it recommended multiple times. So there's one that you might want to recommend to your husband or other men in your life. And then I heard from Marie who said, Dear Danielle, thanks for your podcast. In your podcast, Seeking Rest with Sonia Corbett, a listener asked about podcasts for her husband. I love Edward Sree and Jeff Cavins and listened to both of them. Those are two that I did recommend. Um, I also have found Restore the Glory with Jake Kim and Bob Schutz and The Way of the Heart with Jake Kim and Brett Powell are really great podcasts for men, and I enjoy them as well. Thank you for your books. You're worth it, and You Are Enough are two of my favorites and go-to books. Yours in Christ, Marie. Okay, so let's just look back here. So that's the Ed- Edward Street Show and um, Jeff Cavins, who are, they're available right here at ascensionpress.com. And then the other ones she recommended are Restore the Glory and Way of the Heart, both of which are with Jake Kim with Bob Schutz on one and with Brett Powell on the other. So you can check those out as well. If you have podcasts that you like listening to or that you would recommend that men listen to, I know many women are always looking to have these resources that we can kind of put in front of our husbands, um, kind of suggest like, hey, subscribe to this. Hey, listen to this. So if you have some that you really enjoy or that your husband might really recommend, let me know. You can always send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com or record a voice memo and send it to me at that email address or connect with me on Voxer. I love getting Voxes. So you can connect with me. The link to connect with me on Voxer is always in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. All right, that's all the time we have for today, but I want to thank you for being here. Thanks for being a part of the Girlfriends community. It really is so meaningful to me that we're able to connect here through the podcast. And I do not take your presence here for granted. If you enjoy what we share here and what we do here at Girlfriends, would you recommend it to a friend? Would you help us out by leaving us a rating and review at iTunes? That's enormously helpful in getting the word out about the podcast and growing our community of listeners here. If you don't happen to listen on iTunes, please go ahead and share a rating and review on Spotify or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. If none of the above, then please share a link or even by word of mouth, let a girlfriend know that you enjoy this podcast and maybe they would too. So thank you for all the ways that you encourage and support me and help to get the word out in that way. And that's all the time we have for now. But until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 